0: Attention! This is not legal advice. If you are experiencing a legal emergency, contact an attorney or your local public defender's office.
1: The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of gin and justice. About justice
0: hey i'm justine and i'm amanda welcome to another legal brief with jen and justice
1: let's talk about the assault on democracy
0: i mean which one i have one too kind of yes oh, and do? no well oh. you go first you go first
1: i want to talk about what happened in tennessee last night when this comes out it'll be last week what happened in tennessee last week This country is turning into a fascist hellscape and it's becoming alarming as fuck so after the tragic shooting in nashville thousands of children teens marched on the capitol to the house of representatives while they're in session and demanded they do something and three democratic lawmakers were trying to speak for them for their constituents And were silenced their mics were cut so as soon as they went into recess the three of them pulled out bullhorns and started protesting with the teenagers to speak for them because their voices needed to be heard because that is their jobs representatives justin jones justin pearson and gloria johnson so the republicans didn't like it speaker went on the national news and compared them to insurrectionists then they voted to expel two of the three of them you'll never guess which ones got expelled i'll let you know it was the two young black ones the 60 year old white lady narrowly survived the vote yeah and the question the the way that they were spoken to was fucking vile it was racist like blatantly and disgusting and i don't i don't really know (laughs) how to articulate what i am feeling in a way that is appropriate to publish on the internet for the world to listen to (laughs) um (laughs) but it's fucking scary that these lawmakers are straight up ignoring their constituents and when their colleagues disagree with them they expel them from their jobs it's not democracy
0: so i was reading the various articles because of course i want to get like both sides and see what the deal is um it was really interesting because i read that the i don't know if he's like the head of the speaker of the house or whatever their version of that is in in tennessee legislator said that they were expelled for violating the decorum of mm-hmm. Tennessee legislators. And then it was interesting because I believe I had read that nobody had ever been expelled for violating the decorum before. It is a rule that was violated, but apparently nobody had ever been expelled for it before. So, yeah, and some uh, wild was...
1: shit has happened in there, and nobody's yeah. been expelled. There was, like, allegations of somebody pissing on somebody else's seats. At one point what? yeah like crazy stuff and then oh there was one there was somebody that had domestic violence issues and they were never brought up for any sort of questioning there was another one that had some sort of like child molestation allegations there was
0: a lot of crazy shit that never brought anything up
1: but the the bullhorns Apparently, well, yeah, we do much. have in
0: Florida the the legislator, the congressman who trafficked teenage girls. Right. Uh, that's not being charged, but so there's right. that. Yeah, I don't think that's a real major issue for the legislator in any state, I suppose.
1: But the funny thing is, apparently, when they do expel members, it goes back to the, the towns that elected them who have to pick the interim. So it's already been picked. Justin Jones is being chosen as the interim to replace him.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: And he can be reelected by the people. And it looks Good. like they've just made these people stars.
0: I don't know if you have the number, but when I was reading about this situation, it had left like a very large number of people unrepresented in the legislature
1: 78,000 people.
0: Okay. I thought it was 140,000 between the two it, of them
1: oh maybe i might just be I could thinking be, of, jo- of i could Jones. be wrong
0: yeah so i could be wrong but yeah so that's interesting i also know we had some protesting going on here in florida yeah. uh, florida did pass the six-week abortion ban nikki freed got arrested yeah do you know more about that
1: i no not really i i know that it was a peaceful protest i watched it i watched the videos of it yeah but we're not allowed to disagree with them anymore
0: So yeah, so it's a little alarming that the First Amendment, you're right, your freedom of speech is being violated. Speaking of, Amanda and I will be on a panel at the end of the month, (laughs) uh, April 29th at the Tampa Preparatory School. We will be on separate panels. Uh, It's an all-day event. I think it's 1030 to 130. Sounds like it's going to be super fun. I'm really excited. It is for freedom of speech. So That'll be interesting to talk about as these things keep happening. Yeah. So I actually had been looking at some news that had popping up over the last couple of days regarding Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Mm, and I don't mm-hmm. know if you had heard about that. So mm-hmm, I am mm-hmm. not I'm not a headline grabber. I'm not a fan of being a headline grabber. I like to read what's being written. I like to see the other side. Mm-hmm. And uh, first I feel like foremost, that's what everybody should do. Yes. Yes. So, first and foremost, I'm not a fan of Clarence Thomas because of opinions he has written in the past. Specifically, he has, there's an opinion out there that affects criminal law that he wrote a long time ago. He's the longest serving justice on the court currently. I think he's been on for 31 years. So, he had actually written the opinion that it didn't really matter if cops were profiling a vehicle before they pulled them over, occupants of a vehicle, as long as they had like a legal reason to do so. So that's like a really frustrating opinion that comes up over and over again. So anyways, I digress. Mm -hmm. So he was, the attention kind of got brought to him when ProPublica released an article the other day about two decades of him not disclosing luxury, luxury gifts, basically. And so I started reading it and basically he wasn't disclosing some luxury excursions that he had gone on with, you know, Republican law i I don't think he was a law. No, he's like a Republican uh lobbyist, like sorry. A, like a donor, yeah. Yeah, so he's a lobbyist. Interestingly enough, uh one of the things that he does is he goes to this guy's private camp in the Adirondacks, which is where I'm from. And so I guess he this millionaire, this billionaire owns this private retreat camp. And I looked it up, it's on the National Registry of Historic Places. And so that's Pretty close to where I'm from, but he goes there for a week. He goes on luxury yachts, he goes to Indonesia, um him and his wife, and whatnot. So initially, I read the article, and I was like, "Wow, that's crazy because they can be looked at as like donations, right? But a Supreme Court justice doesn't run a campaign once they're elected. they're elected for life, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, what does this dude need donations for because they're like swaying his opinions or whatever right? So I actually read another article today, apparently. You don't have to disclose and i forget the wording but like elected officials don't have to disclose personal excursions that are like basically with their friends or whatever which is what he's alleging the other thing too is that apparently
1: they don't have to there's like no ethic commitment well, for them well or there something.
0: is there is but this didn't fit in the category although very recently the rules changed And so when he gave a statement on it, he was like, yeah, the rules just changed and I intend to comply. And, you know, as far as I knew and I had been advised by my colleagues and other members of the court is we don't have to disclose, you know, personal excursions if it's like with friends or whatever and it's not Mm -hmm. – you know related to anything. things so uh, this is why i don't like to be a headline grabber i do think it's yeah. messed up however the rules did just change so he hasn't failed to disclose as of yet because the rules literally just changed right uh, i mean i
1: understand that but he's not breaking rules but it still sucks because that guy's fucking money is probably swaying his fucking opinions in the direction well, of whatever fucking yeah. crazy wacky rich guy fucking way He wants it to be,
0: (laughs) yeah. So it'll be interesting. This is obviously developing. So people are calling for his impeachment. So we'll see how it goes. But so that was something that I had been following over the last couple days, and I just wanted to kind of give both sides of it. You know, the headlines are like, "Oh my God, he like didn't disclose." Of course, they always make the
1: headlines like the the most (laughs) horrendous thing possible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, and then reading the other one, it was like, okay, well, he really didn't have to. So you know I don't think they're going to go for any type of impeachment or anything no. like that but it'll be interesting to develop and and look into and so we'll see how that goes um on today's legal brief I wanted to bring us back to what we haven't done in a while and that was kind of cover courtroom basics or courtroom terms and you know based on I think what we've talked about in the past I really wanted to just kind of go into really common closing argument objections so Typically, when people are watching trials on TV or whatnot, I'm sure a lot of people watch like the Alec Murdaugh trial, you know, the Casey Anthony trial. So you don't often see a lot of objections during closing arguments. So I think a lot of people think you're not allowed to object during closing arguments, but that's not the case. So there's actually some really improper arguments that can be made during closings. And if you're an attorney and you fail to object to those things, you are definitely going to be found ineffective. And so I wanted to go into some of the common closing objections because they're so important, right? Like that's the last time the lawyers get to talk to the jury before they go back Mm -hmm. and deliberate. And so, you know, one of the most important things about closing arguments is that the judge will tell the jury and usually the lawyers will also tell the jurors what the lawyers say is not evidence. So typically the purpose of a closing argument is to finish telling your story, tell it over again. You repeat what the evidence has shown in the trial so you can't tell people what what the evidence is but you can say you know when this guy testified you know use your own notes use your own memory but i believe he testified to this you know and, and you kind of go through each witness or however you want to structure the closing argument but typically what you do is go in chronological order you kind of go through each witness and in the things that you Want to point out whether they contradicted themselves whether they have a bias you know all of those things anything that came out during direct examination which is when the uh well typically it's the prosecutor because they're the ones putting on the most witnesses but but there can be witnesses on defense that are direct it's whoever's witness it is it's called direct and then the opposite party is called cross examinations so that's really the purpose and then again this is probably pretty basic most of you probably know this but the prosecutor gives the first closing argument. The defense attorney then gives their closing argument and then the prosecutor gets to go up for a rebuttal as long as they reserve that i think it's really
1: i think it's bullshit
0: yeah so one of the important things about rebuttal is that they can only respond to what the defense attorney said they can't add more stuff that they forgot in their first closing so that's really important so if the prosecutor in their rebuttal starts going into things that were not brought Mm. up by the defense attorney. You can object to that as a defense attorney so that's one important objection so one of the first main objections that is super important for lawyers to know is do you remember do you remember that movie a time to kill with matthew mcconaughey i
1: never saw it but i have heard about it
0: okay so there is a scene for those of you who have seen it towards the end where matthew mcconaughey is defending his client who is i think you mentioned it on
1: the show once recently
0: Oh, I may have for sure. Yeah. And he says, you know, members of the jury, you know, this is what happened here. And he's actually talking the whole premise of the movie. Sorry for ruining it for those of you who haven't seen it. But essentially, it's very old. It's so awful. It's a good movie, but it's so awful. Essentially, a little black girl is raped. Her father finds out and he's alleged to have killed the two white men who did it. Uh, I think I can't remember if she was killed. I think she was just raped and beaten very badly and then the father ends up killing the two guys who did it so he goes on trial and matthew mcconaughey and this is back in the 60s is defending him and you know they go through all the evidence in the trial it's very evident that this man has killed them and then he's giving his closing argument and he says you know there's this girl and she's in the back of a truck and he gets really descriptive and he tells about all of the awful things that happened to her. And um, and then he says, you know, imagine, it, imagine if this girl was white. And imagine if this was your little girl or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So that is a super improper closing right. argument. So objection number one, you could never ask the jury to put themselves in either the defendant's shoes or the victim's shoes. Or somebody you know that the states the cop shoes or whatever Mm -hmm. so you can never ask the jury to do that that is golden rule number one another objection is when attorneys talk about in their closing arguments facts that did not come into the trial so this is why most attorneys do not write their closing argument prior to trial i mean you can have like an outline for it but you really can't until you know what the witnesses testify to and to what evidence comes in because you may have a witness that you plan to get out certain testimony on, but that they never say that Mm -hmm. you cannot then go into your closing argument and say, okay, uh, you know, we got out that the shirt was red or whatever, if that never came in. So that's objection. Number two is assuming facts, not in evidence is the actual objection. Another big objection that I see prosecutors do all the time is expressing your own personal belief in a person's guilt the guilt of the accused. Like if you're a state attorney or a prosecutor, district t- attorney, whatever, and you go up there and you say, I know in my heart that that guy is guilty or like, I know that he's guilty and so should you. You, know, you can't say things like that. So um, that's another big objection. Another one that also gets violated often is name calling. You can't call the defendant a druggie. You can't call them an addict. You can't call them You know a woman beater whatever the case is you can't (laughs) call people names wild that you have to say these things right so that's another common objection another objection and i'm just gonna run through and i'll stop on a couple of them so addressing jurors by name obviously you learn the names of the jurors and you learn a little bit about their lives in voir dire jury selection so you cannot address jurors by name and like be personal with them in the closing You can say members of the jury you can say ladies and gentlemen and that's about it you cannot appeal to what you know are jurors biases so for example if you talk to the jurors during voir dire and you find out that one of them was a victim of you know childhood molestation something of that nature and then they end up being on the jury and the case is you know sex case about child molestation Uh hopefully that would never happen, but it does. It does. Uh (laughs) sometimes you run out of strikes and you're like, oh well, that sucks. I have the the one who's really gonna sympathize with the state here. You cannot appeal to that juror's bias in any type of way by saying, you know, we know this happens, you know, you know, like I said, imagine if it happened to you or you wouldn't want this to happen to anybody else, anything like that, right? Mm -hmm. Huge one, you cannot comment on the defendant's failure to testify because they are exercising their Fifth Amendment right not to testify. They have a right not to testify. So you can't say things like, you know, if the defendant wasn't guilty, he would have told you. He would have got up on that stand, but he didn't want to lie to you. That's why he didn't get up there. You can't Mm -hmm. say things like that. Or you can't insinuate, like, I know he has a right to remain silent, but if he was innocent, he would have gone up there and talked to you. You can't say things like that. That's, That's totally objectionable and potentially causing a mistrial. Uh, you cannot go after the attorneys on the case you cannot say defense counsel did a lousy job or the state attorney did a lousy job they're lazy they're you know you can't attack counsel you cannot misstate the evidence so that seems like common sense i I was gonna say all of these seem like common sense to me right and that's why they should be objected to but they happen (laughs) They happen. Yeah. People don't object and you know that's it is what it is. So yeah, you can't misstate the evidence. You can't exaggerate it. So, you know, if somebody has fourteen grams of meth, you can't exaggerate it and say he had like, you know, he yeah, had like twenty pounds. grams. Yeah, exactly. He had like a pound of meth. You know, you can't say things like that. You cannot argue things that were purposely excluded in a trial, like for instance, an emotion and So typically if you have a trial and somebody is a is an addict you would as a defense counsel file a motion of limiting prior to the trial saying hey nobody in this trial can reference the fact that my client is an addict or uses drugs so if then later on in the closing argument the state attorney references the fact that this person is an addict and uses drugs that's objectionable and could potentially cause a mistrial misstating the law. You cannot misstate the law. You can't say, you can't make up your own definition for reasonable doubt or make up your own definition for what a dwelling is. Like you have to, these seem like common sense, but <laughs> yeah, they haven't. happen. Okay. They, <laughs> <That's> do. <wild. laughs> they do. Yeah. Another big one that I see that doesn't get objected to a lot is the personal opinion on the case or on witnesses like Mm. i can't go up there and say you know i found mrs jones entirely credible and you should too you know you have to say you saw her testimony was she consistent was she this does she have a bias you know you have to ask the jurors to look at those questions you can't just bolster you know a lot of times what i will see happen is state attorneys for instance will or prosecutors will argue You saw the detective testify. He has no reason to lie. This is his job. You know, he does this all the time. He knows how to do this, bolstering the credibility, right? And they don't think they're doing it because they think they're just describing the witness. But in Mm -hmm. in doing that, they're bolstering the credibility. And that's an objectionable, that's an objection. So you cannot appeal to racial, religious, ethnic, or regional bias, also seems like common sense but if you know you have somebody who is racist on the jury based on the way they answered questions in or if you know somebody that's sexist or you know somebody on the jury has a bunch of convictions for domestic violence against their wife you can't appeal to like oh you know how women are you should convict her you know you can't like say things like that <laughs> Yeah. so yeah so those are kind of the really common objections so i went to the death penalty information center because they always have great articles and information and they're talking about improper arguments that can be made and obviously death penalty trial that's a big deal so there was a prosecutor and i'll put this in the show notes There was a prosecutor who had improperly vouched for a witness and then repeatedly demeaned mccoy who was the defendant in the case For representing himself he called him illiterate told him to act like a man and said quote you can dress him up he's still a murderer oh boy so that prosecutor was actually suspended from the practice of law because of that misconduct so some of these improper arguments in closing when people start to get aggressive in their arguments not only can they cause a mistrial or a reversal on you know on appeal but they can also cause lawyers to violate ethical rules so yeah i mean and and a lot of uh the cases that they're talking about here in the death penalty information center are like racially charged arguments made in closings that ended up getting cases overturned and definitely we see that a lot yeah and we do yeah so the other thing you can't do um And the way that it's phrased can be a variety of objections but you can't like appeal to it's called like lizard brain attorneys do try and do it but like (laughs) there's a way you cross the line but basically Mm -hmm. the theory behind lizard brain is that you know we've evolved since like cave people and back in the day uh, you know our brains were so aware of a danger, you know, like a saber-toothed tiger or like a, I don't know, like a charging woolly mammoth or whatever was whatever predators were around wherever we were, right? And so we were constantly on alert and we were like super keen and aware. Well, as we we've evolved, we don't face those dangers on a daily basis. We go to the supermarket to get our food. We have a house that protects us from, you know, leopards or mountain lions or bears or whatever lives near us. And so we don't have those dangers. And so, but that part of our brain is the pruned part of our brain and it's still in our brain, right? It's very easy to activate it. And so a lot of times lawyers try to activate jurors lizard brain because you make a juror think, oh my God, this could happen to me. I need to like convict to or i need to to protect myself (laughs) they do it a lot in like civil cases is like really where it matters because it's like oh this could happen to you you need to like hold this company accountable for this you know awful product that they put together or whatever right um you need to hold them accountable and so that's really what it is is like your lizard brain kicking in and so for example in like a drug trial or something if you have a prosecutor holding up the drugs that were allegedly in your client's car or you know wherever they were and he says something along the lines of look at how look at this this looks like candy this could be sold to your children like that's a super improper argument Mm -hmm. that needs to be objected to so i just wanted to go into some of the common objections i think a lot of people think that you don't object during closing arguments because most of the time lawyers are in line uh with their closing arguments or sometimes for strategy purposes you don't object because mm-hmm. you don't want to call attention to whatever, whatever was said, just yeah. said, so there is strategy calls as well. Those are the common objections during closing arguments, and I will put the death penalty information center improper argument article in the show notes and yeah, so that's that's what I got for today's legal brief,
1: yeah, stay strong, Tennessee
0: <laughs> uh, I know. I'm sure we'll have more yeah. for next week. Ugh. All right. So, guys, you definitely will not want to miss the episode that we release next week. We have a retired NYPD cop detective. A cop, who... guys. We got a cop. Finally. Finally. <laughs> and he's <is> so <laughs> hilarious. Like I could have talked to him all day. Yeah. We will probably have him back on.
1: Definitely like I can will. see,
0: I can see us doing like just a funny side segment with with him. him. (laughs) Yes. He's so hilarious. You definitely don't want to miss him. He does some funny stories. And of course, Amanda wanted gruesome stories. So we did a little bit of both. And um, yeah, you definitely don't want to miss him. He's funny. So (laughs) tune in next week. That will be out next Tuesday. So we're excited to get that to you. And we'll see you next time on Gin and Justice. All editing for Gin and Justice done
1: by Gin and Justice podcast. Artwork by Justin Cardone. Photography by Kimber Schwaeke.
0: We'll see you next time on Gin and Justice.